Welcome to First Baptist Church Brunswick Podcast. Here at First Baptist Church, we exist to lead people from where they are to where God wants them to be. Listen closely as we hear a word from Pastor Chris Winford. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out? And I'm going to ask you to turn to two different uh, sections of Scripture this morning, both of them in the Old Testament. Go to 1 Kings chapter 10, and then put your finger in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, please, as we are continuing our series called Ecclesiastes, Life Under the Sun. And so today, uh, I want to talk to you about money. Look at your neighbor and say, I'd like more of it. I want to talk to you about money. And I've titled today's message, Can't Buy Me Love. You can't buy me love. Uh, several, several years ago, there was a, a famous queen. This famous queen went to go make a visit to an even more famous king. And she came to visit this king because what she had heard, uh, what this queen had heard about this king was just, it was too good uh, to be true. She had heard that this king was an amazing architect. He had built beautiful, huge buildings and homes and beautiful gardens, and he'd even built this beautiful and glorious temple. She had also heard that he was a creative artist. That this king, he had written uh, thousands of psalms and proverbs and songs. She had also heard that he was an authority in, in life sciences. He understood things that the average person did not understand. And she also heard that this, that this king was, a, was an, a, an incredible a diplomat who had this large responsibility leading a, a great and large uh, affluent kingdom, and he was leading it well. But this king, this queen, she thought, this is too good to be true. What I've heard, this, this can't be true, and so she was rather suspicious. And so she came to visit this king for, for multiple months, and as she observed what she saw about this king, what she saw was this, that it was unbelievable, but it was true. What she heard and then what she observed about this famous king, it was true. Well, thankfully, we have a historical account of this visit from this famous queen to this famous king. And this account is found in 1 Kings chapter 10. I want you to pick up the story with me. 1 Kings chapter 10, and I want you to see this famous queen's response to the great wealth of this famous king that we know as Solomon, the author of Ecclesiastes. Look at 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 4, and we read of this true historical account of this famous queen whose name is the Queen of Sheba. She perceived all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, verse 5, the food of his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters and their attire, his cupbearers and his stairways, by which he went up to the house of the Lord. Now, now, by the way, scholars overwhelmingly agree that Solomon was one of the richest men 
to ever live in all of the history of mankind. You can think of today Bill Gates, Elon Musk, and Warren Buffett of the day. Look at verse number 14 of 1 Kings chapter 10 and look at his great wealth. Verse 14 says this, Now the weight of gold which came into Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. The scholars would tell us that this amount of gold came in for 39 consecutive years. That's a lot of gold. Scholars would go on to say, or one commentator estimated, that the value of the 666 talents of gold to be just under $1 billion. In today's economy, one scholar estimated that Solomon's personal fortune surpassed $2 trillion. Look at your neighbor and say, he's loaded. That's filthy rich You go on and you read in 1 Kings chapter 10, we read that Solomon, all of his drinking utensils were made of gold. He built his houses out of uh, the, the cedar of Lebanon, which was the most expensive lumber of the day. And, and, he, and he layered the lumber with gold. And in our text, it says that, that Solomon would not use silver because silver was not considered valuable in his day. Wow. But as I was looking at this text, I do want to point something out to you that I think and I find it pretty interesting. But in verse number 14, we see this, that the number of pounds or the weight of gold, what Solomon came into every year was how much? 666. Now, to a, uh, a person, a believer who has read Scripture and, and maybe understands the end times, does that number ring a bell? Uh Uh-huh. It does. For those of you who may not know what that reference is, let me share with you this, that in the book of Revelation, the number 666 references the Antichrist. It references the the last world uh, ruler, the last world uh, uh, dictator. And Revelation chapter 13 verse 18 says this, that the number 666 stands for the number of a man. So, So in Scripture, there are two men who are associated with 666, the Antichrist, and now who? Solomon. What in the world does that mean? Well, I, I'm not 100% sure what that means, but I, but I don't think that this means that, that the Antichrist is going to be the reincarnation of Solomon. I don't think that's the case. But, but I do think we can put this together and say this, that the Antichrist will be a type of Solomon who started out well, but then became corrupted. Corrupted by lots and lots of money. Solomon, and we'll find out here in just a few moments, was corrupted by wealth. I believe we can make a, a pretty good and accurate guess that the Antichrist who will come in the end times, that, that he too will be extremely wealthy. Well, what was Queen Sheba's response to this man named Solomon? Look back at verse number five. Look at the last sentence in verse number five. And it says this about her. First Kings 10, 5, it says this. And there was no more spirit in her. 
She was amazed at his wealth. She's overwhelmed by his wealth. Verse 6, and she said to him, it is true what I've heard about you in my own land, about your words and your wisdom. Verse 7, but I didn't believe you, Solomon, until I'd come and my eyes had seen it, until I observed. And then she said, and behold, the half was not even told me. I see more than what I was told. And look at verse 7. She says, you, Solomon, you exceed in wisdom and prosperity. Prosperity. She says to Solomon, you are rich. You have money. Now look down in verse 9 and look what she says to Solomon. I believe it is a reminder and it is a little bit of a prophecy to him that you need to, you need to keep this in check. Now look at verse 9. Now remember, Queen Sheba, she is a pagan. She does not believe in the one true living God. She does not believe in Elohim, Jehovah, Yahweh. She's a pagan, but look at what she says to Solomon who oversees God's people. She says in verse 9, Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loves Israel for how long? Forever. And so she tells Solomon, she says, Solomon, you are rich. You are wealthy. But Solomon, you need to know this, that your fame, it comes from the Lord's name. Your fame and what you have, it all comes from who the Lord is and the fact that the Lord chose you. Now, why do I think that's a little bit of a prophetic statement for Solomon? Because in the very next chapter of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 11, guess what happens to Solomon? He turns away from God. He turns away from God. Solomon is at his, at his financial zenith, at the, the high point of, of his financial ability. And in chapter 11, he turns away from God. Growing up, there was a, there was a song that I don't recommend, but I remember it, by the notorious B.I.G., some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have no idea. If you don't know, keep it that way, all right? But the notorious B.I.G. and Puff Daddy or P. Diddy sang a song titled, Mo Money, Mo Problems. Solomon. Do you get the picture? Do you get the picture what we're dealing with with Solomon? So turn over to Ecclesiastes 5, because this is all set up for what Solomon is going to talk about with this assembly that he has called. If you remember, in chapter 1, verse 1, we read of Solomon, who is called the preacher, the teacher, the Koheleth. Koheleth means an assembly, a called out, an ecclesia. It's where we get our term uh, Ecclesiastes from. And so if you remember, Solomon calls together this assembly. We believe it to be men, young men who are raising families, who are trying to make the big bucks. And in Ecclesiastes 5, he's going to instruct them on the futility of the drive for money. Now question before we look at this text. Do you think Solomon can speak to the issue of money? Absolutely he can. Do you think it'd be wise for the called assembly to listen to Solomon when he talks about money? Absolutely. Do you think it'd be wise for us to listen to probably one of the most wealthiest men to ever live when he talks about money? I think it would be wise for us to listen to what he has to say. 
well. Beginning in verse number 8, Solomon begins um, his instructions, and he gives us some principles about the drive, the pursuit of money. Look at verse number 8, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 8. Is everybody with me this morning? Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 8, Solomon's going to begin his instructions on wealth, and he begins by talking about the poor, the poor and the oppressed. Look at verse number 8 when he says, and write, write this down first, write this down first. He's going to tell us that we need to maintain an eternal perspective on money. That's what he's going to tell us. That's how he's going to begin this topic of money. Keep a kingdom view in mind. It begins in verse number 8. He says, if you see oppression of the poor and denial of justice and righteousness in the province, do not be shocked at that sight. For one official watches over another official, and there are higher officials over them. So Solomon begins this instruction on wealth, but he begins with the poor. And the first thing he says to them is this, don't be shocked and surprised that you see poor people and you see oppressed people. If you remember, Jesus later on would say this, you always have the poor among you. Do you remember that? Now, in this comment, they are not neglecting the poor. They're not saying we need to turn our backs on the poor. They're not neglecting the oppressed. And they're not telling us to reject those who are being oppressed. That's not the point of his comment. But what Solomon is saying to the assembly, what he's saying to us, don't be shocked and surprised when you see poor people and you see those who are oppressed by those who are in leadership. What Solomon is saying is this, don't throw up your hands and say, well, since there are poor people and since there are people who are oppressed, that is an evil and that means there is no God. Does that make sense? Because a lot of people today will say this, since there's evil in the world, then there must not be a God and if he is a God, he is not good. And Solomon very quickly says, you you need to get over that thought process. He says, there is always poor people, there's always oppressed, but you need to understand, you don't throw up your hands uh, in disgust and say, where is God when you see all the poor and the oppressed? Now, why is he going to tell us not to be shocked and be surprised? Because in verse number 8 and verse number 9, he tells us this, we need not get upset because he's going to tell us God is still sovereign. Do you know that God is still sovereign over those who are poor? just as he is sovereign over those who are wealthy? Do you know that he is sovereign over those who are being oppressed, just as he is sovereign over those who are doing the oppressing? What Solomon says to these young men is this, what goes around is going to come around. If you look in our text in verse number eight, we see this, that there's a certain group of people who are oppressing the poor people. You see that? What does Solomon call them? He calls them the high officials, which means leaders. In Solomon's context, it actually means politicians. That's what it means. And Solomon says, don't be surprised because there are going to be leaders, there's going to be politicians who are going to oppress the poor, and they're going to oppress the poor because they are filling their own pockets with the very money that the poor people need. Anybody with me this morning? You see, this is not a problem for the United States of America today in 2021. This was the same problem over 3,000 years ago with Solomon. And he says, don't be surprised at that fact, but know this. That those who are doing the oppressing, God will judge them. 
That's what he says. They will be judged because God is sovereign. Look at verse number nine. And verse number nine is one of the most um, difficult verses in all of Ecclesiastes to understand. So let me just uh, share with you what that means. Verse nine says, after all, a king who cultivates the field is an advantage to the land. What that simply means this, God is sovereign and even the king He's not sovereign over the land. He still depends upon the land. Meaning the land still has to produce food so that the king can eat the food. Does that make sense? So that means even the president of the United States, he's not sovereign. He is not in absolute control. Doesn't matter what president is. Doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrats, an elephant or a donkey. It does not matter. The executive orders, how many they sign or they do not sign, they are not ultimately in control. The reality is God is still sovereign. So therefore, with your money and with your wealth, you need to maintain an eternal perspective on your money. And the reality is God is still sovereign. And so you need to understand that. The Bible says that God gives and God does what? He he takes away. He gives wealth, and he can take away wealth. Why can he do it? Because he's God. He's sovereign. The next thing Solomon says, look in verse number 10. He says this, money cannot buy satisfaction. You need to keep an eternal perspective on money, and what you need to know is this, that money cannot buy satisfaction. Look at verse number 10. He says, he who loves, that Hebrew word for loves is the word, um, it's it's spelled A-H-A-B, and it's pronounced I have. Pretty interesting, isn't it? It's pronounced I have. And in, in Hebrew, it means one who who desires to the to the fault. Meaning they desire. So Psalm says, he who desires money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income, this too is vanity. And Solomon says to these men who are trying to make the big bucks, trying to earn a living, trying to make all that they can, they're living and driving for for more money. He says, don't fall for the myth that if you have more money, you're going to be more happy. That is poor English right there, by the way. Happier says you won't be happier if you have more money. Because you know this, money itself is not the problem, correct? Money itself is not the problem. Wealth is not the problem. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible condemn you having money. It doesn't condemn being rich. But what Solomon says is the love of money will not satisfy. Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 says this, the love of money is the root of all evil. It's the love of that, it's this drive, it's this desire where we want more. I love the movie, The Fiddler on the Roof. Anybody remember that one, Fiddler on the Roof? One of you does, that's good. But in that movie is a great song. It's a great song by Tevye. And the song is, If I Were a Rich Man. If I were a rich man, yabby dibby 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 dum. All day long I'd biddy biddy bum. If I were a wealthy man. Yes, that's pretty good. (laughs) You have no idea how long I practiced that. I don't care what happens the rest of the sermon. I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> but in the movie, Tevia, um, who um, the very, very poor family, 
Tevye has this conversation with his future son-in-law, and his future son-in-law says this. He says, money is the world's curse, to which Tevye quickly responded, well, may the Lord smite me, and may I never recover from it, <laughs> meaning I want that curse. I want that money. I want that money. Well, one commentator said this, that the problem of mankind is this. Your yearning power will always exceed your earning power. Isn't that good? And isn't it true? I want more, but I can't get it. And so if you can't get it, you pull out your Visa credit card. And if that one's maxed out, you go to your American Express, right? Our yearning power always exceeds our earning power. You always want more. And that was Tevia. He was a poor farmer. And he prayed, God, why don't you just give me a little bit more? I want to be a rich, wealthy man. Instead, God, you made me poor. But even in his poverty, he wanted more. Um, Again, another movie reference. Um, In 1987, there was a movie titled Can't Buy Me Love. Some of you remember that who are my age. If you're older, you have no idea. If you're younger, you could care less. But in that movie, it starred Patrick Dempsey and Amanda Peterson. It's the story of Patrick Dempsey, who is the nerd of the high school. Can I say nerd in a politically correct world today? He's the nerd. And he begins to fall for the beautiful cheerleader. You know how this goes, right? He falls for this beautiful girl. He knows she won't fall for him. So he goes to her and says, hey, I'll pay you $1,000 to pretend to be my girlfriend. And guess what she says? Okay. She says yes. Over the next several weeks, they, they pretend to be boyfriend and girlfriend. And guess what happens to, uh, to the nerd? He becomes popular. He's dating the, the cheerleader, the, the pretty girl, and next thing you know, the football team falls in love with him, the cheerleaders fall in love with him, and, and the next thing you know, he, he creates a new dance. He saw it on MTV. You remember when MTV used to only show music videos? Do you remember that day? And he learns this dance, and it becomes the crave of the school, but, but I think you know what happens in the story. Because in his search for popularity, in his search for being with the in crowd, guess what ends up happening? He loses everything. He loses his true friends. And he's left all alone, and he comes to the conclusion that Solomon comes to, you can't buy me love. You can't do it. You'll never be satisfied. And that's what Solomon says. You won't be satisfied with money. It's not going to do it. You may or may not know this, but that movie was based off of the song written by, anybody know? The Beatles. Can't Buy Me Love, written by Paul McCartney. And the lyrics of that song are this, I'll buy you a diamond ring, my friend, if it makes you feel all right. I'll get you anything, my friend, if it makes you feel all right, because I don't care too too much for money, because money can't buy me love. Years later, uh, a reporter 
asked Paul McCartney, like, what, what were you really talking about in that song? And these are Paul McCartney's words, and I quote, he says, the idea behind that song was that all these material possessions are all very well, but they won't buy me what I really want and need. Who does that sound like? It's Solomon. It's Solomon. Your money will never satisfy you. It can't satisfy you. And it's not going to satisfy you. The Living Bible will say of Ecclesiastes 5.10, it will say this, it's foolish to think that wealth brings happiness. Now, you all know this. If, if wealth brings happiness, then the, then the wealthiest people would be the happiest people. I don't think that's the case, is it? The wealthiest are not the happiest. Wealth does not bring satisfaction. You always want more. And now Solomon's going to tell you, let me tell you what a drive for more money will do for you. Look at verse number 11. He says, when good things increase, those who consume them increase. So what is the advantage to their owners except to look on? Solomon says this, if you want more money, it is going to bring more expenses. As your income goes up, so does your expenses. If you look at the grass on the other side of the fence and it is green, on the other side of the fence, I promise you their water bill is much higher than your water bill. That's just the way it goes. Uh, the Good News translation says this, the richer you are, the more mouths you have to feed. You ever know that? When you get more money, all of your, your family and friends, they come out of the woodwork. Oh, I'm your long lost cousin. I have no idea who you are. But they want a piece of that money. Verse 12, Solomon says, not only you have more expenses, you're also, you're going to have more worries. Verse 12, the sleep of the working man is pleasant. The Bible always talks about you working with your hands, not dependent upon other things. You work, and when you work, it is pleasant whether you eat a lot or not a lot, but the full stomach of the rich man does not allow him to sleep. One commentator said this, as income increases, so does insomnia. I think that's pretty good. You know, as, as a pastor, I've done multiple and several marital counseling all throughout my 20 plus years in the ministry, and one of the top causes for divorces in America is, is money. The drive and the love for more money causes problems. Or, or you, you wanted more things and now you're so much in debt that it causes major, major problems. A chiropractor friend of mine once told me this, and, and it's true, and I've known this for a long time, that, that if you sit with your wallet in your back pocket for an extended period of time, what does it do to your back and your spine? It, it gets you out of kilter, Right? Well, think about this. The fatter your wallet is, the more out of kilter you can become. And this is what Solomon is saying. Now look at verse number 13 and, and write this down. As Solomon has said so far, keep, so far it says, keep an internal perspective. Money can't satisfy. Number three, improper use of money. It's going to hurt you and it's going to hurt your family. Improper use of it unwise use of money is going to hurt you and it's going to hurt your family. Verse 13, there is a grievous evil which I've seen under the sun, riches being hoarded by their owner to his hurt. Uh, that word hoarded in Hebrew is shamar. And, and it literally means, and I want you to picture this, picture a big bear hug. You know what that means? Get your arms around somebody to squeeze. That's the idea here. 
of hoarding. It means you get as big as you can and you wrap your arms around it and to protect it. And this brings to mind a parable that Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus pulls his disciples beside him and he says, guys, you need to watch out for any form of greed. Watch out for greed. And he says this, for not even one has an abundance, does his life consist of his possessions? Meaning your life is not made up of what you have. And he tells this parable of a rich fool. You remember the story in Luke 12? This rich fool, he, he builds bigger and bigger storehouses to store all of his grain and his goods, thinking that he has a long life and so thinking he has, he has all this to enjoy. But Jesus says that night he died. And in Luke 12, verse 20, it says, it's that night your soul is required of you and now who will own what you have prepared? This rich fool which Jesus called a person who does not use their money wisely, he calls them a fool. Look at verse 14. When those riches were lost through a bad investment, and Solomon says he had father to son, and there was nothing to support him, Solomon's saying to these men, listen, listen, be wise with your money so it will not hurt your family. A couple of weeks ago, I was standing in line at a gas station, and this man in front of me uh, bought himself a, a box of cigarettes. I haven't done that in about 20 years, so I don't know anything about uh, the box of cigarettes. Totally joking. Just see if you're still awake. So he buys this box of cigarettes, and uh, I'm, I'm inter- interested to know how much it cost. And it was 50 bucks. So I start doing a little math in my head right there. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of money, and, and this, is, this is just an illustration for how being wise with your money, how it can hurt your family. You know, if you just buy one box of cigarettes, $50, uh, for a year, that's about $2,600. You multiply that out by the life, a son, by your, the life of your son or your daughter in your household, 18 years, that's 50 grand. That's college for one year. Amen? (laughs) Point being, be wise. Are you with me? Be wise. Men, be wise in the toys that you purchase so that it doesn't hurt your family. Women, let's go to the next verse. (laughs) Verse 15, Solomon says, As he had come naked from his mother's womb, so he will return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hand. Who does that sound like? It sounds like Job. Job said, naked I come from the womb and naked I will return. You know what that means? It means when when you die, your wealth is not going with you. The name brand clothes, they're not going with you. The brand new car, it's not going with you. When you die and and people stand over your casket, they're not going to say, man, have you seen all the stuff in his garage? They're not going to mention those things. They're not going to say all this stuff that we want to. They're not going to talk about those things when when you die. I mean, here's the reality. When you Listen, this is kind of morbid talking about death, but here's the reality. When you die, all right, your children or your grandchildren are going to do a couple of things with all the stuff that you've left them with. You know what they're going to do? 
They're going to put it in a garage sale or they're going to put it in a garbage bag and take it to the dump. And they're going to keep just a few things. Are you with me? That's what they're going to do. Now, I know... uh, No, I'm not going to say it. (laughs) I will be held accountable. Verse number 16. Verse number 16, Solomon says, This is a grievous evil. Exactly as a man is born, thus he will die. So what advantage... What advantage? You can't take it with you. Throughout his life, verse 17, he also eats in darkness with great vexation, sickness, and anger. He's talking about the rich. And what he's saying is those who drive for money, and you know this, those who drive for money and those who are poor, we always look a little bit different at those who make money. And what Solomon is saying is they experience the same thing that you do. They put their pants on the same way you do. They're just people. And they'll lead in darkness as well, just as some of others as well. As well. C.S. Lewis said of this text, and I love this. This is a great quote. C.S. Lewis said this, Maybe God will teach you to get rid of all your toys and grow up. That's good, but it hurts. I like my toys. How about you? I like my toys. But there comes a point where, you know, They're not going with us because empty you came into this world, empty you are going to leave. And Solomon says, don't don't think that money can satisfy you. You keep an internal perspective in mind. And you know this, that you need to be wise how you spend your money so that you don't hurt your family who's coming behind you. And here's the last thing, number four. God is the giver of wealth. Look at verse number 18. And Solomon ends up saying this. Here is what I've seen to be good and fitting. To eat, to drink, and enjoy oneself in all one's labor. And when she toils under the sun during the few years of his life, listen, for which God has given him. You see it? That God has given For this is his reward. Verse 19, furthermore, for every man whom God has given riches and wealth, he's also empowered him to eat from them and to receive his reward and rejoice in his labor. This is a gift of God, meaning God's given you the ability to make money. He's given you the ability to do that. Um, He's put that within you. Then go enjoy it. Enjoy it. Verse 20, for he will not often consider the years of his life because God himself, or God keeps him occupied with the gladness of his heart. What Solomon is saying is, yes, you can make money. Don't let it be, don't let that drive you. Don't let the goal of, 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 uh, of making more money be the purpose in your life. That's not the goal. The goal when you make money, one, you work. That's biblical. You wake up every morning, wash your face, you go to work. And sit down at the computer. That's the way work is today, right? But you work. You get your hands dirty. You go work. Enjoy the paycheck. The government's going to take a lot of that money. But you still enjoy it. You enjoy the fruit of your labor. But don't collect stuff and show it off to everybody. When you get a paycheck, go, go take your wife out to eat a nice dinner, right? 
Friday night, my wife and I, we went out to a restaurant we'd never been to before, Fiddler's on St. Simon's. Really, really, really good. It was, it was good. And then at the end of that meal, it was just my wife and I, we uh, left goldfish at the floor, on the floor at the house so the girls could have something to eat. And so <laughs> you got to save somewhere. You know what I mean? It's a joke. We did not do that. Um, so we, we went out and had a nice night together and just enjoyed conversation with one another. And, and then we did something we don't normally do. We, we ordered dessert. We ordered dessert. And it was a big piece of key lime pie. And we had two forks. And we enjoyed it. And then I saw the check. <laughs> but I still enjoyed it. Are you with me? Enjoy it. Enjoy the ones you're with. Enjoy what God has blessed you with. Go, go spend time with those whom you love. Spend some money. Be wise with it. But spend some money. Make great memories. The money's not going with you. The memories stay forever. And do it, enjoy it within wisdom. Go to the beach, enjoy the Golden Isles. Wasn't it beautiful yesterday? It's beautiful today. Go enjoy it because that is, the, that is a lot in our life. Just enjoy what God has given you. Enjoy the work of your hands. Work hard, play hard, and enjoy it. But here's what Jesus says that we do need to remember. Jesus says this about money. Know this, you cannot serve two masters. Amen? You cannot serve God and money. And so you and I have to decide. You have to decide. Men, Decide how you want to lead your family, God or money. Which is it? Jesus said, I want all of you. I want everything about you. I take you as you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, the hard edges, soft edges. I take all of you. But Jesus says, I want all of you including your money, and I want you to trust me. Trust me with it. Trust me. Because God says, I promise you, if you trust me, I will meet your every single need, every step of the way, and God will always satisfy. Choose Jesus and trust him and enjoy the fruits of your labor. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. And Lord, I want to say to you, thank you that you have given to every person in all of creation the ability to work and the ability to earn money. 
Thank you for that ability. That you have designed that into our DNA. And then, Lord, I ask you to forgive us, forgive me, forgive us for making more money the goal of our lives. Father, I ask you to forgive us, and Father, we tell you today that we turn and we repent. And we say, we choose you. And we say, Father, we want to use our money to further the kingdom. Father, thank you. May we not take our finances lightly, but may we lay it all at your feet because you laid it all on the cross for us. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.